Uh, I want to dedicate a shir to my uh, father-in-law, my shver, Chaim Mod Chaim Moshe Ben Yushul Yezer. The, the source of the shir should go for the Elias Neshama, his Elias Neshama. Uh, in in Canadian? Okay. Um, uh, since this week is Shavuos, I thought maybe I would speak a little about that. Since we're coming up to a major Jewish holiday and so on, you know. I thought I'd mention certain ideas about Shavuos. <clears throat> Shavuos is an interesting concept, it's an interesting idea. The Torah that was given on Shavuos is not the same Torah that we have. Not that it's a different, different Torah, but it's not really the same. <clears throat> what the Jews had succeeded in doing at Matan Torah is that they had succeeded in restoring themselves to the same situation or circumstance as Odom Rishon before the sin. Now, we don't know what Odom Rishon before the Chet was. He was some kind of an incredible being, person, to such an extent that the Malachim, the angels, began singing Shiva to him. They clearly thought he was a divine being. And of course, he wasn't. But we're looking here at uh, an awesome being. Uh, makes sense because he is a really a handiwork of the Rebbeinu as they say, as they say, He is the handiwork of God directly. Uh, but more than that, because Adam Rishon embodied himself. First of all, all the Rishonos. Not only that, he was connected to the totality of creation. He was the first and last individual that could rectify creation singularly, just single-handedly, which is awesome. So as such, he reflected the entire real was in him uh, that he was connected to. Therefore, he could rectify, he could do a tikkun of the entire real. Chavah was not part of the original plan? Chavah was. No, she was. So it's not really Adam by himself then? Well, it's really Adam and Chavah. Because it says, Vayikra Shmom Odom. And he called their name Odom. Oh, they were one being. Correct, that's right. Except the Rebunshim decided to take that one being and split it. But originally, man and woman were one. Because there's a concept of Zohar Nekeva. So that concept of Zachros and Nakvos always existed. The only thing is, is that it existed as one entity as opposed to two. And the Rebunshim, of course, decided that he would make two entities. Um, and therefore, obviously, he split Chava. But uh, this concept obviously always was. So, Adam Rishon before the Chet, before the sin, was an awesome being. Obviously, he sinned, and therefore, he changed many, many different things in the Bria. Um, now, what Adam Rishon knew, we have no con concept of what he knew. He knew an awesome amount of understanding, awesome understanding of Torah, actually. The fact that the ha'ora, the amount of presence of God, was so great that all you needed was one mitzvah to the tikkun, basically. Uh, even though the message says there were seven, the seven mitzvahs of Nerf, whatever. But basically, it was really one mitzvah, don't eat from that tree. And that's an important idea, which I once mentioned. That the concept of Torah is a, is, 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 is the concept of Torah, really, is that it embodies the totality of the Bria. That's the concept of Torah. And the mitzvah itself is the tikkun device. And obviously the ha'ora, the amount of illumination or enlightenment or revelation of God and so on was so enormous that all you needed was one mitzvah to perform. That's it. And had he done that, then he would have been Mashiach. He would have been Mashiach. And therefore, Shabbos would have been the 7,000th year. And then Olam Haba would have started shortly thereafter. In fact, it's an interesting remez, you know, because uh, Tuesday is a good day. We know that, because it's Kitoyev twice. It says that God saw what he made was good. That was the first two days. Uh, I should say that was... He, on Monday, he didn't complete the job. So, uh, and it said Kitoiv, and then on Tuesday he completed the job, so it says Kitoiv twice. 
right? Um, and so on. So what's interesting about it is why, because why would the, what, what does that mean? But what it, what it would mean is that the first Tuesday was, a th in, uh, was let's say, the uh, first of the third thousand years. You have Sunday first thousand, Monday is the second thousand, and Tuesday would be beginning of the third thousand years because a thousand year correspond, a thousand years corresponds to one day of creation. So a uh, thousand years is the year 2000, and Avraham Avinu was 52 years old when the world turned 2000. So that's Torah, that's the beginning of the Jewish people, right? And that's the beginning of the Tikkun process, okay? But the following Tuesday, if you go Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and seven, is in the 10th day, right? From first Sunday of seven days, then the following Tuesday is the 10th day. Yom Chabba begins at 9001. It begins in the 10,000th year, you see, and therefore it says Kitoiv twice. So that second Kitoiv refers to the following Tuesday, same Tuesday, but the next week, and that's the beginning of Eil Mahapa. See? Yeah, Yemaisa Mashiach year 6,000? Yeah, so Yemaisa Mashiach is really a Tkufa, it's a period of time at the end of Eil Hazer, at the end of this world. It's really what it is. Yemaisa Mashiach has nothing to do with Eil Mahapa. That's the, the, the seventh thousand. What is the Muslim Shaykh? Muslim is a time at the end of the six thousand year. Okay. And then you have a thousand years of Mashiach? No. no, no, no. What, what's after the six? What's at what the end of the six thousand? No. Let me give you the periods. There's the Neshama before it enters the world. That's one. Then there's a Neshama in Odom Rishon, that's two. He failed, right? Then, let's put it this way. There's, you can look at the period of man, or the period of the progression of this world in several ways. One, there's before the world was created, which means before this world was created, the Neshamas are in wherever they are. Then you have this world, so the second phase would be Odomrishan before the sin. Third phase would be Odomrishan after the sin until Avram Avinu. Fourth phase would be Avram Avinu until the Yemaisa Mashiach. Yes, what number are we up to? Fourth. Four. The fifth phase would be from the Yemaisa Mashiach until the end, until the 6,000th year. It's five. And then after the 6,000th year is the beginning of the 7,000th year. 8,000th, 9,000th. And at the beginning of the 10,000th year, which is the year 9,001, is the beginning of Ilam Habbo. So Mashiach is 1,000, others 3,000? No. Mashiach is the last period of time before the end or before 6,000 years. So we are in the English year, right? 2014. <coughs> the end of the world will be in 2240. It will be in the English year 2240. 2240, it's over. What happens between that and Olam Abba? Those 3,000 between the end of the world, Olam Azay and Olam Abba, do, do we know what happens in those 3,000? Between what? Between the end of Olam Azay. Oh, and, and, yeah, yes, and, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ramchal's going to talk about that a little further on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, um, so the Yemoisam Shir is the last period of time phase, so to speak, of the uh, end of uh, the 6,000th year. And that will last a certain amount of time. Okay? So really, this world only has another 200... 2,000. What? You said 2,240? 2,240, so what are we looking at here? 228. 226? Yeah. We only have another 226 years to go. And then it's over with. Then this world is over with. Interesting. So the Mashiach has to come before the English year 2240 or the Hebrew year 6000, right? We have 5774, right? And he ends his time at the year 6000. That's it. That's the end of human history. It's over with. You know, there's 6000 years and human history is now over. And the, what happens is you have the next 3000 years as Olam Habo develops. If you remember, I told you uh, there's a retransformation. That retransformation from Ilm Hazi into Ilm Habo 
takes 3,000 years. But it doesn't make difference. The main thing is, once the Mashiach comes, then all the terrible, the bad times, you know, all the evil, all that stuff is gone. You know, and then it's only toiv once Mashiach comes. So, what's the difference if it takes a couple thousand years? It's all toiv anyway, you know, it just gets better and better and better, you know, and so on. You know. uh, so those are really the kufas of Ulam, uh, of, uh, of this world. Uh, you know, um, <coughs> and even the Yemoyim Mashiach, the end of time, which I'm not talking about now, there are three sub-phases. The Messianic era itself is the Ikvist of the Meshicha, which means the footsteps of the Messiah, then the Aschalta de Gula, the beginning of redemption, and then you have the Moshe Mashiach, the Messianic era. Those are three distinct sub-phases in the Messianic time period. We are now, if you want to know where we are at, we are now... Um, uh, we are coming toward the end of the termination phase, uh, which is the Iqbis of the Mashiach. We are coming toward the end of that, and it's only a short amount of time till you become Aschat al You know, the, that's what we're all waiting for, Aschat al But in any case, um, so therefore this is what happened. So that's Adam Mishnah before the sin, and then of course he sinned. And therefore, the tikkun got much worse. So what happens is, because Adam sinned, therefore there was a tremendous amount of darkness, so the Torah changed. It became, instead of one mitzvah, it became seven, you see. Because uh, the greater the chayshech, then the greater is the need to remove the chayshech. So what happens is, there are more mitzvahs. And as mankind sinned more and more, what happened? Torah went from 7 to <coughs> Taryag, 613. Close. Interesting. The Zakos is Israel. What? The Zakos is Israel. We understood that Zikui to uh, purify Israel. Yeah. And then as Jews sin more, you need more mitzvahs, so along comes the, 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 the Rabbanan, rabbinicals. See? So <coughs> they add to the Torah. Why? Because it's getting darker. And then as it gets darker and darker, there's even more mitzvahs, and those are minhagim. That's community. So each one is adding to the amount of mitzvahs in that sense. You have minatera, you have the one, seven, six, thirteen, rabbinical, midrabanans, right? Then you have minik, which is community. And then the last thing is Chumrah, where you yourself will decide to have a stringency. So, Torah grows as the darkness grows, because you need that much more to overcome the darkness. But yeah, one it's interesting. Does, one wash, one doesn't wash the other. What is that? One doesn't wash the other. What does wash the other mean? I mean, to say is, if you have Averis, you have Averis. The Mitzvah doesn't cancel the Averis. No, I didn't say it cancels. What the Mitzvah is, is a device that will bring more ore down. It doesn't cancel. No. But the darker, the, the, the more darker something is, the more light, the more, the, the more device you need to do, the, 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 the more mitzvahs you need to bring down more ore to counter the darkness. You see? It's like, a, you know, it's like, it's like if, you want a little dig, if you want to dig a small hole, you use a little shovel. If you want to build a building, a foundation, you bring what? You bring this humongous... Uh, what do you call it? The back hole bulldozer. Who bulldozer? Well, back by who? The back hole. The who? Shovel <laughs> thing on the back of the. Well, I mean, the, you mean yeah. a bulldozer, you know? And if you want a real big stuff, you got to bring one of these cranes. Cranes, I mean, humongous things, you know? Same thing. The bigger the, the bigger the hole, the bigger the machine. Same thing. The more darkness, which is called the more hester, the bigger the machine, and the machine is the mistress. See, so there's been a steady. Uh, more, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, uh, a growth in the amount of mitzvahs because the choshech, the hester, gets bigger. You see, so it's interesting that Torah is a device, or the mitzvahs are a device, right? That's variable. Depends on the choshech. You see, uh, which most people do not realize, because the real question is: Was Adam Rishon Jewish? And the answer is, of course not. So why did the Bria stop at Avram Avinu? Why did it wait 2,000 years? And the answer was, which I had spoken about, if you remember, 
Ozmichin was not Jewish, but he was Yisrael. He was a Yisrael. That's <coughs> what he was. And I mentioned the difference. Anybody remember what the difference between a Yisrael and a Jew is? Jew is historical, whereas Yisrael has to do with the job, the task. Yeah. Uh, the concept of Jew is, <coughs> is, is, a, is a nation. He's a descendant of Avraham Avinu. So a Jew is a Yisrael. Yisrael is the individual that can do the job of Tikkun, which means to bring the Divine Presence back. So Od Mishim was Yisrael, but he was not Jewish. It's interesting, you know. Which I always like to joke around. So Rosh Hashanah, when Od Mishim was born, because I asked the question, what happened on the Rosh Hashanah? Every holiday we do has a historical event, that a Jewish historical event that corresponds to it, right? So I asked the question, well, what happened on Rosh Hashanah? There's no historical event. Was there a historical event? No. There's no historical, Jewish historical event that corresponds to Rosh Hashanah. Every, 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 everything else has a, a Jewish historical event. It's a mankind event. It's a mankind event, exactly. It's an Israeli holiday. It sounds funny. It's an Israeli holiday, because Adam Rishon was Israel, he was an Israeli. Yeah, a different way of understanding that. But he was Israel, and exactly, it's a mankind holiday. It's not a Jewish holiday. But since we took over the job of Adam Rishon, therefore we are Israel. And Yaakov became, and Yaakov Avinu became Israel. Say Kaddish after the Shia from Hashem. So, when I finish the Shia, just stay and I'll say the Kaddish. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so by the time the Jews got to Egypt, they had brought, or I should say when they left (coughs) Egypt, they had brought the Bria, the creation, to the level of Ottoman before the sin. So the Jews were not human in that, as we know human beings. They were not human. We don't know what it is. What does it mean? Zoyama is the influence of the Sultan in the physical body. You see. So if the Zoyama by of the Jews by Martin Torah, they didn't have that. So then what were they? We don't know. We don't know. In any case, they had rectified the the the, 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 uh, the, <coughs> the material, the physical of the world, where it did not have Zoyama. Certainly not in them. And all they needed was one more mitzvah. That was it. They needed one mitzvah. And had they done that one mitzvah, okay, then they would have been, they, Moshe Rabbein would have been Mashiach bin Yosef. Because that's really who he was. He was Mashiach bin Yosef. And he would have been Mashiach bin Yosef. And the redemption would have started then. You see. Instead, what they did is they sinned. And the mitzvah, of course, was not to do the Chet Ego. That was the mitzvah. <coughs> and the mitzvah was not to do the Chet Ego. That was the mitzvah. It's very interesting. Because I say, because had they not done the Chet Ego, what would have happened? Right? So the Gaul would have started. You see? Um, the, 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 the Messianic light would have come down. Now it's interesting <coughs> that the, what type of a, what type of a, in the sign was the Chet Ego? No, no, I don't mean that. It was a philosophical Chet. You think about that. What was the Chet, what was the Nisoyen of Odomishim? <coughs> What's the Nisan of Adonishim? Really, you know? Does he believe that the tree, that God got his powers from the tree? Because really what the Nochash said, and that's the argument he presented to Chavo, Rashi brings it down, that what? That the Nochash, the snake, said to Chavo, you know, you know why God, the Varsham, does not want to eat from that tree? Because that tree is powerful. And the Varsham ate himself from that tree, and that's how he became God. That's what he said. <coughs> you know, and that's why he doesn't want you eating the tree. 
So therefore, if you eat from the tree, what do you say? You'll become like God. And man always wants to become God. And that's that we do they think about that all day long. To be independent, you know, to be omniscient and all that. So he tempted Rashibim, this is a Medrash. So he tempted Chava with the uh, possibility of becoming God. You know? <clears throat> Chava bought into the argument and she ate from the tree and she realized that the whole thing is a sham. It's not true. Okay. So what she should have done, unfortunately, she should have just said, okay, it's over for me because the Rashim said, and the day you eat it, you will die. You know, but instead what she did is she gave it to Adam knowing that he was also die. That's the chet of Chava and so on. But in any case, because um, she didn't want him to get another wife, that's where the old business with women become jealous and so on. That's where it all starts. Anyway, but you know, I, I just as an aside, I always get a kick out of the fact that in the first recorded conversation in human history, not between the Bershom and Adam, but between the Nochesh and Chava, that's really the first recorded <coughs> conversation, you know, there already was, there already was present Lashon Hara, Lachidus, and Mojtishemna. How? Right now? It's just astounding. In the first recorded conversation, so the first thing, so let's take a look. What's Lashon Hara? Lashon Hara is harmful communications. So when he said that God ate from the tree, he was degrading the Rabbanu Right? It's not that Rabbanu Shalom is uh, this incredible being. Come on, it's the tree. Right? And therefore the Rabbanu ate from the tree, and therefore he's not what you think he is. That's Lashon Hara because he degraded God. <clears throat> that was the first thing he did. But the problem is, that's a lie. So that's called Mitzi Shemra. So not only did he degrade God, the whole thing was a lie, so that's defamation. Right? Wasn't even true. So therefore it's called Mitzi Shemra, defamation. So he degraded God, and then he defamed God. And Rechilis was, because he said, you know why God doesn't want even the tray? It's not for your benefit. It's because he's jealous of you. He doesn't want you to become God and have a rival. So that would engender a tremendous hatred from Chavah to God. He says, ah, who is this being? He's jealous of me? You mean he, and he wants to deny me the ability to become God? How dare he? And that would have created tremendous sinner, see? And that's Rechilus. Got it? So in the first recorded conversation in human history, you already had Lashon Hara, Mojishema, and Rechilus. In one conversation. Amazing. Anyway, uh, so that's what he told Chava. And she, of course, carried the argument to, um, to Adam. Rabbi Kessin, you had once said, I believe, that Adam Harisham, before he ate from the Yitzhakas, had an unbelievable phenomenal level of intelligence. Yeah. So he could see from one end of the universe to the other. Yes. <clears throat> so when they ate from the Yitzhakas, was there an increased level of knowledge and intelligence? Because if Chava ate it first, did she have this expanded awareness? And if she didn't, why would she tell her husband, eat from this? When they ate from it, was there truly a genuine greater knowledge? That it was, yeah. That's why it says, <clears throat> they, uh, you know, Yitzhakas to Iraq. It was, but it was a different type of knowledge. You know, it wasn't a matter of truth and non-truth. It was a matter of good and evil, which is different than truth and non-truth. You know, truth and Shechem, it's now bad, good and bad and so on, you know. But I'm not getting into that, but it's, it's clearly it was a different dimension <coughs> of, of knowing and so on. Yeah. So in any way, so therefore, what was Adam uh, um task? He had to distinguish. He said, wait a minute, you know. No, this tree is an illusion. The Rebbe created the tree, and now I'm under a test. They're trying to fool me and saying that the Rebbe ate from the tree and he became God that way. No, the tree is an illusion. It's really the Rebbe is God. So that's what's called the test of theology. What is your understanding of the nature of God? Why was he tested with that type of a test? You understand what I'm saying? The test is a theological test. You see. What do you understand about the nature of God? Do you think God ate from the tree? So therefore he's not this being you think he is. Or, no, he did not eat from the tree and he just created the tree so you should be tempted to think that way. You see? So the test really by Adam was a theological test. What is your understanding of the nature of God? 
See? Why? Because Mida connect Mida. Had he said, no, the tree is not the source of God. The Barsham is God, and the tree is just there to tempt me, right? So he would have realized that what? That God is really God, and there is nothing. <coughs> There's no other God besides God, the tree. But there is only God. So then Mida connect Mida, he would have had the Gilo of Enoid Mubadu. You see. He would have had the revelation of the exact nature that he just now struggled to understand. It's a measure for measure. Mida connect Mida. Got it? That's why he had the test of the nature of God. Because had he passed, then the nature of God would have been revealed to him. That's measure for measure. Now, if that's the case, yes? In other words, you're always tested on what you could have been, what you would get. If you're going to get the Gilu of the Rabbanishlam, then you're tested on that Gilu. You understand what I'm saying? Which, by the way, is interesting. What's a test today? What's the major test now? For the last hundred years, what is the major test that you have? It's a Muna, really. You know, it's a Muna. Who is God? And so on. Why? Because when you're in Yikrish Meshicha, because the Giloi of all of this will end in who is God. So therefore our test is who is God. Same idea. The test of Yikrish Meshicha, since it's messianically related, what is the O Mashiach? It is a revelation of who the Vashem is. Therefore the last test has to be who is the Vashem. Measure for measure. You see? Today, it's Emuno is the main test. You know, that's why there's a Chabakuk says, uh, you know, Tzadik be'emuno so yichyeh, that in the end of time, a Tzadik will only have his Emuno. What, what happened to everything else? You know? And even the Emuno, because that's really where the test lies, in Emuno. So therefore, by the Chet what was the test? Can God be an intermediary? Did they really believe that this eagle was God? No. But what they did is they needed an intermediary, you see. They needed an intermediary. And that eagle was the intermediary that they could relate to. So therefore, does God, can he be represented by an intermediary? Some type of a uh, shliach, a being that represents him? And the answer is, of course not. That's why you can't make any images. No, it's not such a thing as a, an image. Uh, so they also had a theological test. Why? Because had they not done the chet, what would have happened? Had they believed, no, what, what's this nonsense? <coughs> an ego, right? So then Moshe Rabbeinu would have been a Mashiach, right? And he would have revealed the Orishim, the Messianic light. And the Messianic light is what? Is the revelation of who God is and how he relates or connects to the whole Bria. See, again, that measure for measure, that's what would have happened. And therefore, that's the logic of why they were tested in our desire. The interesting thing about that is something else, you know. It's interesting. The Jews had a big problem. What was the problem the Jews had when they left Egypt? The problem they had was... You can take the Jews out of Egypt. No problem. But you can't take Egypt out of the Jews. The problem is, when you're a slave for 210 years, you have a slave mentality. It's very hard to do anything. You know, because you, you're so habituated. It's like hard, your brain is hardwired, neurons, to believe you're a slave and that, you know, and you can't do it on your own. And you cannot get rid of this concept of slavery. So what the Vashem did was very interesting, you know, what he did was very interesting. What, he, what did he want from the Jews, really? It's very interesting what he wanted. He didn't want Moshe Rabbeinu to be the intermediary. People don't realize that. The Vashem wanted every Jew to be Moshe Rabbeinu. You know that? It's interesting. He didn't need an intermediary. Where do you see that? Because the Vashem gave them the Torah, and they all died. When the Vashem said the first two commandments, I am the Lord your God, and then he said, you have no other God before me, they all died. Everybody died. 
because the Torah presents the matters. The Torah presents itself to Barsham and said, this way, you know, you give them to a bunch of dead people. So Barsham revived them. You see. Question, why did he do it? You know? Why did he reveal the first two commandments to the Jews? Because he wanted them to be the ones to Makabo, not through Moshe. The first two commandments were not given by Moshe. It was given directly to each Jew. He was hoping, therefore, that each Jew would have been so enthralled. You know, we used to talk to God. We don't know. You know, I don't know if you know, but every time you look at a Chumash, when it says, Vaidaba Moshe, Vaidaba Hashem and Moshe Leymor, you know, you think what's going on here? You talk about a being, right? That is not only infinite. The universe is 13.7 billion light years across. Let's understand who we're talking to. You know, light years, light years, six trillion miles. How do you measure miles in the universe? <coughs> light. So light will travel six trillion miles. So we say a light year is really a measure of distance. And the universe, okay, so one light year is six trillion miles. The universe is 13.7, according to what they estimate, 13.7 billion light years. So multiply <laughs> 6 trillion times 13.8 or 13.7 billion. You get a number which is quite large, I must say, you know, as, as an understatement, you know. Yet all of this, right, but we say more like Karaj which means that the, every place has God in it. So that means is humongous. You know, he's a being that's the size of the universe. Yes? Sounds funny, but he is. But the universe is only the physical universe. What about all the Adamas above that? So if the if all creation is revealed <coughs> by his presence, because Monarch's void, could you imagine the size of this being called God? You know what I'm saying? It's awesome. You know. But it's way beyond creation. Meaning it's yeah, but, creation. But but from our perspective, right. he's at least as large as creation. It's beyond that. Wait. So therefore, I mean we'll think about this, right? So it says, Vaidabe Hashem Excuse me, you're speaking to this being? I mean, like, what is, in the world does that mean anyway? You, you know, we, we think, you know, God, you know, and he's speaking to us, some guy called God, you know, so, you know, there's God and there's Moshe. So Moshe said, Hi. God says, Hi, I want to tell you something, Jews, you know. We're talking about a being that is so far beyond man, you know, and I'm just giving you one example. He's larger than all creation, because all creation is within him. So all of a sudden, this Rimoshim, and he's all-powerful, and so on and so forth, he's speaking to Moshe Rabbein, like, what is that supposed to mean? How does he even do it? And so on. <coughs> so the, the concept of who God is beyond belief. So what the Rimoshim wanted to do is what? He wanted to give Torah through the Jews, not through Moshe. And that's why he started it off. He gave the first two commandments not through Moshe, to the Jews directly. Wait a minute. So why couldn't they get the rest? And the answer is, of course they could have got the rest. So that's what he wanted to do. Give the terror through the Jews. Okay? So why did they refuse? Oh. Why did they refuse to the second? What? What was that? Why did they refuse to the second? The second what? If to the second commandment, we should have been the first. Well, because the first relate to him. The third of any is, you shouldn't take his name in vain. But the first one is, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt. And the second one is, you shall have no other God before me. So really, they're flip sides of each other. You know, I'm saying, why did they even have said, a problem after the first one? Oh, so they, wait. They both said it once, weren't they? they, they yeah. Well, they, okay. Yeah. I'm saying, if it's too powerful for you, then anything that Shem says, yeah. it's killed you right away. But yeah, but I'm just saying they're really connected, so therefore, whatever. Okay. Although it's a valid question. Anyway, they all died. Okay, so they died, and um, so what's the problem here? You know, because they obviously could not tolerate that type of communications. But there's something else you have to realize. You know, Moshe was the greatest noble of all. Why? Because he had to be the greatest prophet. Why? Because when he received the Torah, it had to be the greatest clarity of all. Because if it wasn't clear, if it was a low uh, level of prophecy, what would happen? 
then the Torah we get would be lower level of clarity, no good. So Moshe Rabbeinu, because he received the Torah to give to Klai had to be the greatest prophet, which means that the message had to be the greatest clarity known to man. But wait a minute. We say, look, come to Moshe. There was nobody like Moshe Rabbeinu, yes? Nobody that was like Moshe Rabbeinu, yes? But it's not true in a certain sense. Because each Jew was like Moshe Rabbeinu, because remember, if the first two mitzvahs were given to the Jews, not through Moshe, then they had to have the same clarity as Moshe. But if that's the case, then they had to be as great in prophecy as Moshe. And they were. It was only when it was, they said, we, don't, we can't handle this, so that's when Moshe was the greatest prophet. He, you know, and the Jews lost that ability. But really, the Jews were as great as Moshe Rabbeinu in the Vua. You see, because they had to be, because the first two mitzvahs came to them, not through Moshe. You see. In fact, Torah is the Matthew 6.11, not 6.13. Because the first two mitzvahs didn't come through Torah's Moshe, it came through the Jews. Interesting. So, why did Moshe do that? Because what the Moshe was hoping is that they would take a quantum leap. Now, sometimes a person, even though it's hard for them to change, will change ten times what he could do. It's rare. It's called the quantum leap tshuva. What is it that she was hoping? Well, in other words, he was hoping that they would be certain, even though they, they were habituated to being slaves, and they had this mentality, he was hoping that he would give them this giloi, two mitzvahs, <coughs> and they would be so enthralled, they would say, hey, let's have the rest. Instead, what happened? They couldn't handle it. You see, they couldn't. Mistakes, you know? No, no, it's not mistakes. He didn't make mistakes, but he 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 gives you the attempt. He gives they you the to overcome that. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. But it would have been a quantum leap. But they they could have made that leap. They could have said, "We want the, we we want you to give us a turn through us. We don't emotion." But instead, they ran to Moshe and said, we can't take this. You, let him give it to you, and you will give it to us. You see, they couldn't do it. Okay, so what happened? But Moshe wasn't going to give up. He says, okay, the reason why they ran to Moshe, because Moshe was around. So what the Moshe did is he set them up, which is interesting. He made them think that Moshe died. Right? And when they saw the beer, you know, Kizera Ish Moshe... You know, so they thought Moshe died, right? So if Moshe died, then there's no intermediary. So Moshe was hoping, so to speak, that they would now say, well, there's no intermediary, we'll do it ourselves. You see? But they couldn't do it. They needed an intermediary, so they built the ego. So the Jews had two attempts. Moshe gave them two chances that the Torah would be given through the Jews themselves. And it was only afterwards, when they failed twice, with the Chet Ego and so on, that he said, okay, now only Moshe Rabbeinu. Why did Hashem Davka want it to be straight through the Yid? Because each Jew is ready to receive the Torah directly. Why was it such an Avla that they needed an intermediary? What's such a what? Avla. What do you mean? That was the Chet Ego. Let's go with that. The Chet Ego, the test of the Ego was really a setup. The Russian was hoping but, but the same thing. Like that was an Isayan that you should accept the Torah without a intermediary. You should not feel the need for an intermediary. Yes. It sounds yeah. like that was the Isayan. Well, yeah, so yeah. That they should what, not is, what is the Avla of needing a, an intermediary? Why, why is that such a bad thing? No, it's not. No, there's two Avlas. First of all, you're making an ego. Okay. The okay. second thing is not just, you're not only making an ego, an ego, but you also dis, uh, display the concept that the Muslim, there can be an intermediary. And especially so that's after the yeah. putting too much weight on the intermediary. Well, yeah, especially if you if what was revealed to you is Eina Mavata. That's the first two mitzvahs were revealed to them. You know, but someone can represent. Them. Yeah, yeah. So therefore, what they did is they failed to take that uh, that opportunity twice, and therefore from then on it went to Moshe and so on. But at the same time, not only did they not say we do it to us, but they also made it intermediary. You see, and at their level, how could you do that? How do you have an intermediary? How do you have an image that represents anything? And so on. So therefore, the, 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 whole, the story of the eagle is really the story of the Bansham attempt that they should have this quantum leap into Kedusha.
and they failed. And we understand why, because they were slaves, and that's why the Muslim ultimately said, you'll all die in the desert because obviously you can't get rid of that mentality and so on, you know. Hashem wanted it to go through all Klal They died after the first two commandments? They died, yeah. What about all the Nishamas were told by ours that were there? Were they there? Were our Nishamas there at that time? Yes. And so, yeah. not one Nishama could contain it? Obviously the Nishamas didn't die, not... No, the Jew, they, they died, the Kais were left. Those that were physically there. Yeah, sure. And of course. And even though Hashem wanted it to come through us, not one Jewish Neshama was able to contain it. It seems like they why would want that if not one... Except for Moshe. Except for well, except Moshe. You know, he was able to do that, you know. So what the Jews did is they lost this unbelievable gift. Can you imagine receiving the Torah by yourself? It's awesome. It would be an incredible, you know, that, that means you would have a direct communication with the Vashna, which we cannot even comprehend what that is. To communicate with a being like God is, is so far beyond what we can possibly imagine. Is it fair to say maybe they wanted to? The fact that they died wasn't a conscious choice. <clears throat> maybe they just, uh, they, they just couldn't contain it. Well, that, that's, that's it. I give an example. I sometimes give an example, like, what was Danny Sonia, really, you know? How do you connect with that? So I'll give, you, I'll give you an example, okay? Imagine a guy goes to Las Vegas. We all know what Las Vegas is. It's, it's, Las Vegas is a sub. It is the quintessential Oedem Hazar. You know, it's, the place is awesome. If you want to understand what Oedem Hazar offers, you go to Las Vegas, you know. Whatever, so, you know. Um, it's just an awesome place to see because it tells you what really Oedem Hazar is if you really want to get into it, you know. I remember I once gave a Shabbaton in the Young Israel of Las Vegas, which is 20 miles from Las Vegas. I mean, it's, it's 20 miles from what's called the Strip, you know. But I had to go see the Strip. Why? Because I had to see what is the Yerusha Vesa. And you walk over there, you, you, you just like, you, it boggles the mind. There are, there's like the, the wind, I think it's the name of the Wynn Hotel or the, or the, um, or the, um, Venetian, you know, the building costs two billion dollars. You ever see a piece of building that costs two billion dollars? You know what building is that costs two billion dollars? For a building, you know, and it's one building after the Blasio. I swear, it's awesome. It's like whatever you can do in Oedem Haza, they have. You know, it's a Musa Haskell. I had to see what that. This is the Yerush of Esau. This is Esau at his best, you know. So imagine a guy goes to Las Vegas, right? He goes there for whatever, <coughs> gambling, whatever, everything Las Vegas has to offer, right? And, you know, he's, he has a fabulous time, right? He goes to sleep. And also in the middle of the night, 3 a.m., give me an example, what the, what, what the difficulty the Jews had, right? What was it, 3 a.m., he wakes up, he's startled. Why? He hears something, and he wakes up, and he's looking, and all of a sudden, right in the front of his bed, Right? There appears an apparition, an angel, a malach. A malach, right? In whatever guise, you know, the, the, the kedusha of a malach. And he's in Las Vegas, right? And, and, and this guy's looking, he can't believe this. And the malach says to him, I've been sent, because you had some kind of schos, whatever, right? I'm sent here to tell you this isn't the place for you. You gotta get out of here, and all that. This guy's looking at the malach. And this guy's emotional, he's like, he's going, he's going crazy. I mean, the kiddush of a malach, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's like beyond comprehension, right? And he's talking to the malach, malach's talking to him and so on, you know? We just had the menoyach and the dreza, right? Oh, except there, the malach was completely concealed as a human, because they didn't know who he was. It's just later they found out, you know? Let's assume this malach doesn't even conceal himself, you know, the malach is really, you know? This guy's going crazy. It's unbelievable. <clears throat> and the Malach is giving the Musa to leave, take the next flight out, and all that kind of stuff, right? You know? And then the Malach leaves. What, what happens to this guy? It's Rahmanus on this guy. This guy is a basket case. Why? Here's why. Because <clears throat> he's just been introduced to a world that is so far beyond. It is so holy and so on and so forth, right? That, you know... That, that's one side of the picture. And there's an unbelievable desire to attach himself to that world, right? 
on the other side, he's in Las Vegas. And he's his old self. You know, he's the regular guy that loves to gamble. You know, let's do all the other vices in Las Vegas, right? Now, he's not prepared for this. You know, it's like, it's like going with the sherets in the mikvah. You know, you'd go in the mikvah and you got holding the sherets, you know, and so on, you know. This guy's habitually, he's a guy who's into Las Vegas. And he's been to Las Vegas all his, you know, that kind of a lifestyle all his years. How does he make a quantum leap and discard his whole nature and go into Ruchnitz? It, 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 it's terrible. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's nature versus, you know, no. it, it's like, you know, it, it's supernatural no. stuff, you know. It's too much, you see. So Moshe Rabbeinu, who worked on himself for years, he already was chatzish, chatzilotim. You know, he already a half man, half God, in that sense. So if he got the Roshlam, he could tolerate that, you see. He had to fight his nature, you see. But the Jews, they're coming out of Egypt with all the stuff of Egypt. That's what I was saying. We want all the cucumbers and the gourd, you know. I, I, I was wondering what the diet of Egypt was that these people always was bringing up the diet, you know. Is we want the, the cucumbers, whatever, what they want. Abatichim. Abatichim, the watermelons, must be clever stuff, you know. What? Yeah, that must be, you know, whatever. So, you know. I mean, I can understand if they would have said, we want the sushi, you know. So I said, no. Sense. You know, uh, Egypt makes incredible sushi. I can understand that, you know, but like, anyway, but uh, they couldn't break their nature. So, but the Russian was hoping that they would make a quantum leap and he would give them the terror to them. But what's incredible is the terror that he would have given them wasn't the terror that we have. It was the Orishan, it was a messianic light. That's what he gave them. Because this was before the Chet So what he gave them was an awe, a gilu, a revelation of who he is beyond comprehension. You know? And what they would have to do, obviously, is accommodate themselves and adapt to that awe. You see? But they couldn't. And then, like I said, he removed Moshe from the picture by allowing them to think that he died, right? And he was hoping again that maybe they, now there's no intermediary, you know? But no, they couldn't be, you know, they said, no, if Moshe's not around, we're going to make an intermediary, you know, and that's what they did, you see. So, it's interesting, that, that, it, that's really what happens at the Chetro Ego. That was the Nisoyen. You can begin to relate to the Nisoyen, you know. You know, imagine that if that happened to you, would you be able to do it? If a monarch appeared to you and said, hey... What would you, you think about that? In the morning, if the house is settled and you think someone's coming in your door, you're scared to death. No, no, the, the mouth doesn't have to open the door, he doesn't have to knock on the door. I mean, believe me, the alarm systems don't register my love. <laughs> is there a connection between the fact that Mashar Abinu didn't want to go on the original Shlichus to Paroi? And meaning because he didn't want to become an intermediary <coughs> in the eyes of Christ as well? Uh, no, no, no. You, at that point in time, you needed, you needed to me to free them. No. No. It, it, the question is, once they got to, to Sinai, Sinai was a whole, the Sinai was what? The Chosn is the Rebbe I mean, the Kala, it says in today's Pasha, the Kala, by he Kala is Moshe. So Rashi says that it was a Kala, the Jews were Kalas. It was talking about bride. I mean, this is no longer, they, they long ago gave up Egypt in that sense, you know. Now it's a wedding. It's a wedding between the Bernstein. Uh Actually, it's a wedding between the Torah and the, and, and the Eden and God's father-in-law, so to speak. You know? uh, so, um, but that's really what seemed to have occurred by Martin Terra. But what the incredible thing is, they didn't just get the Torah, you know, they got the Orishim, the Messianic light, which is a gilu that we cannot massing, you know. I once brought this message down. You, you, you know, it's funny, we have no idea what the Mashiach is going to reveal. But here's what the Medrash says. The Medrash at the end of Kohela says that everything Moshe Rabbeinu gave Klai Yisrael, okay, is Hevel compared to the Or Mashiach. You know what Hevel is? Luft. It's not even a Mamoshes. It's not even a thing. That's what the Medrash says, you know. And, 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 you know, and, and, and what did Moshe give Klai Yisrael? What's out there today? Okay. We have Bavli, Yushami, Shukhanarach, all the Shias and Chubas. We have all the f- hundreds of thousands of swarm written 
all this, right? That's our Torah. And the Medrash says that all of this is zero. It's heaven. It's luft. It's not even a thing compared to the Old Mashiach. And the Old Mashiach is in this world. We're not talking about Ulam Habo, right? We're talking about the Messianic era, which is the last time period of this world. Ulam HaGeshem. It's incredible. What does that mean? What kind of a Torah is that? Forget about the Torah of Ulam Habo. The Torah here by the Mashiach, right? will make the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu, all the Torah given by Moshe and so on and so forth, make that to be a zero? Could you imagine what awaits Klai Yisrael? So, so they got the Torah's Mashiach or they didn't? Or they they did. To? No, they, those first two mitzvahs was the all of the Torah's Mashiach in the form of those two mitzvahs. The rest of the divas? What? The rest of the divas were not? The rest of the divas, no. Wait, wait, I didn't get to the rest of the divas, you know. But in any case, so therefore that's the Torah of Mashiach uh, The Torah of Mashiach, which is awesome. Absolutely awesome. So when they did the Chet, right, and then the Chet Eagle, so Mashiach looked at them and he said, he looked at Mashiach Beno, he said, Lech Rei, go down. Because the Jews have corrupted themselves. Kishish is Amcha. You know what I'm saying? And therefore they cannot receive the Orishim. The Luchas Rishonis is the Orishim. <coughs> You see, and because they had the, uh, because they did the Chetegel, they could not receive this messianic light. It was over with. Moshe did bring it down, though. What? Moshe did bring it down, though. No, oh, wait, well, you know, you know. And not only that, Moshe Rabbeinu could not be Mashiach bin Yosef. It was over with. Because the whole reason why he was who he was was because of Kleinsville. If Kleinsville cannot, cannot have the Orishan anymore, so he's not Mashiach. So he's coming down to Luchas, yes? And all of a sudden he sees what's happening and he takes the luchas and he breaks it. Right? Why do he break it? Because if you cannot cobble that all, it will kill you. It's that guy in Las Vegas. He probably died afterwards, you know. Because he couldn't tell me what he probably, you know, he needed a major psychiatrist. Because he was so conflicted, he, could, he couldn't live with himself. Because, you know, <coughs> they used to say, they used to get a guy went to Slabotki Yeshiva. They used to say a guy who went to Slabotka. You know Slabotka? Slabotka in Kovna, right? It was a, a place of incredible learning. So they used to say... So they used to say... You know, and it illustrates. He said, a guy went to Kovna with Slabotka Shiva. It could be Oyelim Habo he won't have. Because some of these guys, you know, they went off. They used to smoke on Shabbos, I mean, whatever. They won't have the derech, you know. So it could be they used to say, it could be Oilam Habi won't have. Nobody knows. One thing, Oilam Habi said, they zikha won't have. <laughs> Why? Because they see too much. You know, a guy who sees that type of a truth, you know, it could be he can't go all the way, but to go back, forget it. He sees the emes. He sees the shtus, the stupidity and the absurdity and the folly of what lies in Oilam Habi. You know, and so on. So, you know, like I say, this guy's a basket case. You know. So therefore, they could have received it, they didn't, and they had to go back. And they fell terribly, and so on, you know. But they could have had the Orishim. And that's really what Moshe was bringing down. That Orishim. So Moshe Rabbeinu, and I'll end with this. Oh, sorry, that Medrash, by the way, says, so the or, that the Turnus Moshe is heavily compared to the Orishim. The or of the Mashiach, right? And that the or of the Mashiach is Hevel compared to the or of Ilm Habo. Believe what's going on here. We cannot even massive the or of Mashiach. And, and then the, the Medrash says that the or of Ilm Haze, or rather of Yemesh Mashiach, is Hevel compared to the or of Ilm Habo. Unbelievable what goes on there. Beyond belief what's gonna, what's, what is waiting there. You know, I think I once said this story about the Ari, right? Yeah, you, you what? He had an inkling of what, what's, so, you know? The Ari, the Ari, you know, he was once learning with one of his Tamidim on Shabbos, you know? So all of a sudden the Ari put his head down like he fell asleep, you know? And, and, and this guy's, uh, he's sitting next to the Ari, you know, the Ari. And all of a sudden the Ari starts mumbling, mumbles. 
you know. Now, when the Ari mumbles, that's greater than, you know, four professors giving a whole lecture. I mean, it's the Ari. His mumbling is worth more than anything else. So what did the Talmud do? You don't remember this story? Maybe. But it, it's... So the, what, what, so what the guy do? So he, take, he, he puts his ear next to the mouth of the Ari because he wants to hear what he's mumbling. You know, because the turn of the Ari, even when he's sleeping, is Gavaldi. Anyway, he puts his ear next to the Ari and all of a sudden the Ari woke up. Wow, bad news. He woke the Ari up, you know. <laughs> so the Ari realized that this Talmud is quite frightening, you know. So the Ari said, don't worry. It's okay. So the Talmud... You know, he said, okay. Yeah, he was okay with that. So he got a little more chutzpah. So he said, what were you mumbling about? You know, what, 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 what was it? So then we told him, he said, I'll tell you, I wasn't sleeping. What I did is I said a Shem, and I went up to Shemayim. I tr my consciousness, whatever, you know. And all of a sudden, one of the malochim came over to me and said, you know, what would you like to do? So I asked him, well, what's happening up here? She said, well, the yeshivas, you know, and, uh, you know, Rabbi Shimon is darshaning here, and Rabbi Akiva is darshaning there. And that's what happened, you know, and so on. So, uh, so the Ari said, you know, I'd like to, so he asked her, well, what's, let's say, what's, what, let's say, what's uh, Rabbi Shimon darshaning? Well, you know, that, that's what goes on up there, you know. So he said, uh, he's talking about Pasha's uh, bolo. So I have to go there. So he went to sit at the yeshiva of, of Rav Shimon. I think it was Rav Shimon, whatever. This brought this might have brought down a shifkei ari, or climbed the town. So he went to the yeshiva of Namayla and Shemayim, and he listened to the shir, whatever. And then you know, so this Talmud like fascinated. You know, I say, what do he say? <laughs> what do he say? Like, what does that sound like? You know, and so on. You know, so yeah, we told him, I want to tell you something. <clears throat> <clears throat> if I had 80 years to write and all the reeds were pens and all the oceans were ink and I had 80 years to write I could not write in 80 years what this man said in the time I was up there which couldn't be more than 2 minutes so what do we see from this story you know that we have a, a, a speck of reality what we understand about reality is a speck, you know, in this it's like a grain of sand in all the beaches of the world. That's all we know, you see. So therefore, and, the, and, and that's the Torah being taught up there, by the way, is not the Torah of Olam Habo, because Olam Habo doesn't exist yet. We have to make it. The Torah up there is really the Om Mashiach. So, could you imagine? He can't even write that out. Could you imagine what the Torah of Olam Hapa is? You know what I'm saying? So, this Torah of the Om Mashiach, they could have gotten, but they didn't. So, therefore, the beginning of the understanding of what we miss, <coughs> that Martin Torah really was the greatest attempt to bring Mashiach, and it almost worked. Almost worked. And... Had the Jews been makabal that and not on the Chet Egel, Moshe Rabbeinu would have been Sheikh ben Yosef, and th th there would be no such thing as goats anymore, and we would have, that would have been the, the, the Messianic era would have been ushered in. So where's our job in Shuas? Oh, well, so the job in Shuas, and that's why, yeah, what's the after of Shuas? What is it? Maisim Merkava. Maisim Merkava. Why? Why are we reading Maisim Rekhova and Shuas? That's the origin. The Maisim Rekhova is the origin. That's what it is. But let me tell you one thing. Moshe Rabbeinu had a big problem. You have to understand what a leader is. Moshe Rabbeinu was fully aware of what the consequences of the Jews' action were. And he knew exactly what the Moshe wanted and what the problem was. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu is coming down with two luchas, right? And that's the origin, right? He comes halfway down the mountain, and he, so he throws it down the mountain and shatters it. You know, why? Because those two luchas, Rishonis, was the origin. And it would kill the Jews. You couldn't learn that. It would destroy you. The kedusha of those luchas was so great that the Jew could not be soiled at all. So what did he do as a leader? He couldn't give it to them. He destroyed it. 
you see. But why? You should ask a tremendous question. Right? I understand something. If I give you a gift to give to Ruvay, right? I give you, let's say I give you a, a, a diamond cufflinks. I say, bring this to Ruvay. Because I, I got to go away. And you go to Ruvay's house, you knock on the door. Yes? And all of a sudden, somebody, you know, comes to the door and says, uh, is Ruvay there? No, Ruvay went on a trip to Europe. Be back in a month. So I said, well, what do you do with the golden air? And, you know, golden cufflinks, you know, whatever, diamond cufflinks, you know. So you take the cufflinks and you throw it in the garbage. Does it make sense to you? No, it makes no sense. What are you supposed to do with the thing? You give back to the guy. The guy, you give back to the owner. You don't throw it in the garbage. So let me ask something. If the Bonsham said, Lech Raid, go down, and he's walking around with this, and obviously he can't give it to Kleinsville, maybe you tell me why he didn't give back to the Bonsham. He should have said, hey, I can't give it to them, it's over with. Take it back. Right? He had a kasha. Why didn't he give it back? Good question. Yeah. And the answer is, who can figure out the answer? Why, why, why did he get to that Kedusha again? What? They'll never get to that Kedusha again. No, but why didn't he get... So what? So what? He can't give it to them, so give it back to God. Yo, what are you, you don't take it and shatter it. He took the thing and he threw it at the base of the mountain. He destroyed it. What? He took the responsibility that it wasn't going to be followed. Yeah, but how do you know to do that? You're playing around with the bonus. Yeah, you can't. It's, it's his stuff. It's his stuff. You don't play around with God. It's his stuff. Why did he give it back to Rabbanisham? How do you break his gift? That's the question. Nobody knows how? Nobody has an answer? No, he knew they had to be Makamal Torah. Just he was in the middle. The Rabbanisham said, go down. Excuse me. You know, they can't keep your connection corrupted themselves. You know? Why, then why did he break it? I don't understand. Why did he break it? He should have turned him around when he saw that the Jews were sinning by the Golden Calf, right? He should have turned around Went back, right up back to the mountain and said, Here, Russian, take it back. It's yours. They, I can't give it to them. The question is, how do you break that? Where'd you get permission to do this? You understand what I'm saying? Right? I think the Luke was in here themselves. We came too heavy to carry at that point. No. No. Much of it was very strong. Was that Lucas. first set of Lucas the same Ten Commandments that we have now? No, no, then he had to go back up oh, again okay. in Lucas Schneers. You know what the answer is? He was talking to the Russian, and the Russian said to him, go down, right? Why didn't the Russian say to him, give me back my stuff? Why, why didn't the Russian say right then and there, give it me back, because they can't get it, so I want it back. And Moshe Rabbeinu would have just given back to him. But the Moshe never said anything. Nothing. You see. So Moshe Rabbeinu understood that the Moshe doesn't want it back. So Moshe Rabbeinu had a tremendous problem. What do I do with it? I can't give it to them because they'll kill them. And the Moshe doesn't want it back. You see. So he comes down the mountain. So what did Moshe Rabbeinu do? He took it. And he shattered it. Why? So he had a tremendous problem. And he solved it. What was the problem? Because if he gives the Orishan back, <clears throat> what is the Orishan? Really. The surface of the Orishan is Kabbalah. That's what Kabbalah is. Kabbalah is the surface, right, of the real dimensions of reality. So if he gives it back to Basham, then the Jews will never get anything beyond the second Luchas, which is the Halachas and so on. They'll never have a smattering of Kabbalah or, you know, really Hashkoff and so on, you see. But what he did is, so what did he do? So if he can't give it to them, he doesn't want to give back to the Bershom, the Bershom doesn't want it, so what does he do? So here's what he did. He compromised. He took it and shattered it, right? And then they gathered up all the pieces, and where are all the pieces of the arm? In the arm. Oh, so therefore, <coughs> even though they can't read it because it's shattered, right? But the... Shefa, the Ruach of this, is with us. So at least we therefore can have a connection to that ore, even if it's very, very superficial. You see? So he solved the problem. We have it, and we don't have it. We don't have it because we can't read it, so we can never access the Orishan. 
until the time later on when we'll be able to get it. But since it's with us, it's in the luchas, right? It's in the luchas shattered, right? So, but the, the those luchas are unbelievable. You know, they they they're not just stone. There's an incredible kedusha that emanates, even from the fragments. So we have those fragments, right? And they're behind the arm, and therefore we we have some type of a connection, a shaykhus, to the oration itself. Therefore, we can have Kabbalah also, you see. So the, the, the Haftarah of Matan Torah is really Maizmer cover because Moshe Rabbeinu shattered it. And therefore, we have that access to that. That's why we have it. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu had to solve the problem. It wasn't just all, you know, it, it wasn't acting emotionally, although it was terrible to watch the Jews sending at Moshe Rabbeinu. Look, he realized what the Jews were giving up. They were giving up the Orishan. This is crazy. For what? For some golden calf? It's not. It's crazy when you think about that. You know what I'm saying? Because he knew we, we would, but he had this hand. Uh, it was an all that is, that the second Lucas is hevel compared to the first. And he couldn't give it to the Jews. So he had to compromise. He knew the Bosch didn't want it back. So he compromised by making it available to them in fragmented pieces, but we, we can't read it. However, the awe that comes out of those pieces gives us some type of connection, you see. So we can be Isaac and Sisri Torah, the Kabbalah and so on and so forth, even though we can't really know the real bottom line of this, you see. So Moshe Rabbeinu solved the problem. Interesting. Anyway, that's why we read Maisa Merkova, because that's really what it is, you see. I want to say a Kaddish. You have a sitter? You want to give me a Kaddish? So I dedicated this year to my Shreya, right? Chaimot Chaimosha, and I'm going to say a Kaddish in his memory, and the year should be dedicated to Ilu Nishmasa.